You're listening to Wings All Access right here on NLL.com. And now, Wings play-by-play man, Dave Walls. Hi, everybody, and welcome into Season 2 of Wings All Access here on NLL Radio. And thank you to those who subscribe on iTunes. I can't believe we are ready for another season of NLL Action. Glad you are along for the ride. Hi, everybody. I'm Dave Walls, play-by-play man for your Philadelphia Wings. John Barchard, well, we're recording this one right before the holiday season, and John is uh, buried deep in wrapping paper and ribbon and certainly I don't want to interrupt him during, you know, that time of year. So (laughs) John will be around for the regular season and uh, for next week's episode as well. But we will be hearing from John a little later on the show as far as his picks go. Of course, we will have that. We've got a lot to talk about in this season preview episode of Wings All Access. And certainly, I don't think I can really remember an NLL offseason that has had as much, I don't want to say drama, but yeah, I guess drama is the right word. Drama, controversy, and all-around head-scratching around the league as these teams, all these teams in the NLL are making moves left and right, and we've got to dig into this right away. First of all, let's go ahead and let's get into the NLL teams now with the new collective bargaining agreement. One of the wrinkles is there's two big wrinkles that all fans should be aware of. One, we have an 18-game regular season as opposed to 16 over the last uh, several years, so uh, that's why the Wings have week one starting next weekend, the 28th on Saturday up at First Niagara Center against the Buffalo Bandits. That game will be on the Lacrosse Network. John Gertler and company will be bringing you that one. I'll be live tweeting uh, at Dave Walls and also at Wings All Access. John Barchard from at John Barchard. Uh, so that's the reason the regular season is going to be starting early. 18 games there. So just giving more NLL fans more action. I love it. And uh, hopefully expanding to even more games in the future beyond that. The other one that's really contributed to a lot of the craziness we've seen here in December and in uh, recent days has been the fact that NL roster size has been shrunken down. So you go from 23 players now down to 20. So whereas maybe teams had a little bit more flexibility in, you know, keeping in a couple extra players where they could, you know, fill a role here or, you know, if you had a good veteran, you wanted to keep him on because he was good for a team around. You had that space to do that. A lot of these teams don't really have the space to do so, and it's created a lot of you know moves where I don't think in past preseasons you would have seen it. Uh, for instance, the Philadelphia Wings right now, uh, without Brandon Miller, now Miller has been tweeting on his Twitter account, bmail35, saying, you know, it's a contract dispute. Hopefully that gets worked out for Brandon. We certainly do want to see him back in a Wings uniform, but it's not just that. We go around the league and we have had numerous, numerous changes. And all you have to do to get an idea of how crazy the past couple of weeks have been is just go to nll.com slash transactions and you can look at all those signings and releases. And there's some names that have been released that really just have some head scratching as teams are really trying to scramble to make sure that the 20 they have are the solid 20 that are going to take them throughout the year. For instance, out in Colorado, Gavin Prout has been cut. If you go up to Buffalo, Mike McNamara cut, Mike Hominick gone and now retired. If you go to Vancouver, Vancouver had probably the biggest name release at Ethan Iannucci gone along with Justin Pichel, Dean Hill, and a bunch of others. Uh, we'll get to Philadelphia here in a little bit. Uh, we go to Toronto, Scott Evans gone. Uh, it's us all over the place where you're seeing big names get cut that really 
you would expect teams to sort of hang on, and it's not only made the competition to make these rosters tougher for the veterans, it's made the process of evaluating talent that much more important. For instance, a team like Minnesota, that you know, if we go back to the draft a couple months ago, Minnesota had half the draft locked up. Every other pick seemed like it was a Minnesota pick. And they've got all these players in camp, and you've got to be able to go, who's going to be able to help us in the season? And usually rookies, you'd like to give them a little bit more of a look. You don't necessarily have that advantage anymore. Corbin Tao, gone from Minnesota. Now, there is other craziness that's adding to this roster drama as well, primarily affecting the Wings, but certainly other teams as well. And that is the, it's kind of a rumor because nobody's publicly commented on it yet, but certainly a lot of the American NLL players have been sitting out of their training camp, and it looks like they are not going to be playing in 2014, at least for the NLL, as they want to get ready to audition for Team USA and for the World Championships. And so what does that mean for Philadelphia? Well, it means, uh, by and large, Philadelphia is almost completely rebuilding their roster. 16 of the 23 people on the roster from last season, not on the roster this season. You've got Brendan Mundorf sitting out the season. Also, Paul Rabel is not on the roster. Kyle Hartzell, Kevin Buchanan, Ned Karate, uh, Jeff Reynolds, Max Siebold, all these people are gone. Now, I will say to uh, some of them, uh, for instance, uh, Brendan Mundorf and Paul Rabel, both of them have had surgeries in the offseason. Rabel, in fact, recently um, uh, was tweeting out photos from when he was in the hospital. So certainly some of these players might just need time to heal. And I understand that. Now, with nobody saying anything publicly, it's hard for me to say something publicly as well, sitting here, you know, kind of on the sideline. But I do feel like I have to say something because I think no team in the NLL has gone out of their way more to build the game of lacrosse in America in the past few seasons than the Philadelphia Wings. I feel that Philadelphia has stuck their neck out for some of the players who really might not have gotten a shot at being a starter or being a major contributor anywhere else. Now, I understand, like I just said, there are injuries. There could be other reasons as well. So I I hesitate to come down too hard on someone, but it leaves a bit of a bitter taste in my mouth. And I know it does for a lot of Wings fans as well. You know, I occasionally browse the boards. I'm on Twitter all the time and I'm seeing what you're saying. And certainly the feeling that Philadelphia fans get, you know, last season, you know, the rest of the league, I don't want to say they were mocking Philadelphia, but certainly I think everybody, you know, had the little mocking laugh, maybe slightly going, ha Team America, you know, and it's understandable because a lot of these players had field experience, not as much on the box side. And Philadelphia said, we can take these players and make them into box superstars. And you know what? Philadelphia was picked ninth coming into last season. I understand why. They made the playoffs. They were in that game with Rochester until about the last uh, three minutes or so when Rochester went up by two. A hard-fought uh, game for both sides there. And I, I feel like I understand the reasoning, if that is the reasoning that is going down. If players say, you know what? I want to heal up and I want to be a part of this Team USA that's going on. I understand that. But... I also feel like at some point you need to make a decision. Do you want to be a field player only if this is the path you're going down? Or do you want to be a box, an indoor and outdoor player as well? If it's just Team USA and you say, hey, I'll be back, you know, I understand that. Just leaves a bitter taste in my mouth, and I know it does to a lot of Wings fans. So, so where do we go forward from here? Well, the Wings, as I mentioned, 16 out of 23 people 
not on the roster that were on the roster at the end of last season. So that means the Wings have a lot of names that you're probably not familiar with. And there could be some good and some there's going to be some rough spots out of it as well. But, you know, going down the roster here of the people who made the team this year, I'm really, really interested in seeing how this team gels together, because not only do we have, you know, some rookies and some draftees that made the list this year, but also give some credit to Johnny Meridian. And I know on Twitter, he's sometimes a bit of a punching bag. You know, Johnny, no longer the head coach now, just in the GM role. I like some of the moves they made here. Now, some of the moves didn't pan out like Luke Wiles, uh, the wings uh, traded some draft picks to Buffalo for him. And Luke never makes it to camp, doesn't sign. He claims on Twitter that the wings didn't step up. Who knows? Luke got cut from Buffalo in the uh, midseason of last year. Who knows what's going on with Luke? He has a history with Philadelphia, so let's not even speculate there. So that didn't work out. But the Wings did make some interesting trades here that I honestly think have upgraded the offense a little bit. We've seen it, even though the Wings have not didn't win a preseason game this year. They had some more pop in their offense, and I think we're going to see some emerging superstars or at least some emerging stars here as this team comes together. Let's go down some of the new players here for the Philadelphia Wings. First of all, before we get to the draft picks, let's start with someone who... Uh, I was surprised to see the Wings sign, but I'm actually, the way that everything is playing out, I like the fact that he's on the team now, and that's Tracy Kaluski. Tracy, now entering his 14th NLL season, uh, spent the past couple years with the Buffalo Bandits, before that, the longtime Calgary Roughneck, and even going back to the earlier days of the NLL with the Columbus and Montreal franchises. In fact, uh, Tracy's best year came with Montreal in 2002 where he put up 94 points in the season, 44 and 50 there. But Tracy never seemed 100% comfortable in Buffalo since coming over in 2011. We saw his point total decrease each season, uh, 54 points in 11, only 28 points in a shortened uh, 2012 season, and then battled some injuries last year in 2013. Never really seemed to rebound in 2012. Um of course, you might remember Buffalo and Toronto in 2012 had a first round game where it appeared John Tavares had scored at the buzzer to send the game in overtime only to find out on review that Tracy Kaluski was actually in the crease uh, working uh, down low. And so that goal got negated and waved it off. And I thought at the end of that season, you know, that might have been the last we saw of Tracy. But you know what? With a team that is as young as this Wings team is going to be, you know, I really think that having a veteran like Tracy Kaluski, again, entering year number 14 uh, in the NLL, having someone like that could be just what Tracy needs and it could be what these young players need. And certainly that kind of leadership, you know, when you're beginning to enter a new season is certainly going to help your offense. Now, let's go ahead and let's we got a lot of new names to run down here. Um, the name that Philadelphia Daily News just wrote about this past week, and I'm so happy they featured him. Garrett Thole. I am really excited to see what he does. A rookie player out of Army. Big, strong guy. I mean, this kid, 6'3", 250 pounds, plays for Hamilton in the MLL. Now, for Army, he, he's all everything. He's the all-time leading goal scorer in Army history, second all-time in the Patriot League with 163 goals. Big physical player. In fact, he won two postseason awards after last year. Top offensive player and most physical player. Now, 
If you're a Philadelphia Wings fan, what do you want out of your Wings players right now? You want them to score and you want them to beat people up. Well, Garrett has all the tools right there in order to be able to do so. In fact, uh, last year in his senior season, he was the two-time Patriot League Offensive Player of the Week, had seven goals in one game against Michigan, and really led the Black Knights to a very successful season. And Garrett at one point had a 42-game winning, excuse me, 42-game scoring streak that was broken by the next player we're going to talk about, one of the new defensemen, Brian McGill from Syracuse. He is Syracuse's all-time leader in caused turnovers, 103 of those caused turnovers, two-time All-Big East first team two years in a row. And his senior year, boy, what a year for McGill as he was the Big East Defensive Player of the Week three times. And the first time he won that, as I mentioned, he basically got put right on Garrett Thule, you know, and said, hold him down. And he did that. In fact, uh, McGill and the rest of the Syracuse defense really shut down the Black Knights of Army in a 6-2 to win. And he and he basically worked one-on-one right against Garrett Thule. So I'm sure those two may have had a little stick jostling going on in training camp, but I like it. Breaking Thule's 42-game scoring streak. He's also a uh, ground ball monster as well picked up 55 of them in his senior season and in his senior year as well causing 25 cause turnovers so you like already what you're seeing out of Thule. he got a couple of nice preseason goals as well mcgill could be a young piece that really helps come in and you know help the turnover cause because again we know we have so many young pieces here on defense looking down the list also uh, another acquisition the wings picked up kyle buchanan uh picking him up from the stealth uh, the former uh, draft pick with the Stealth had a down year last year, only 22 points, but the Wings really like what they see in him. Looking further down the list, we've got Mike Poppleton from John Hopkins, plays for Hamilton also in the NLL. And with Jeff Reynolds not being back with the team, and again, Jeff had battled some injuries uh, near the end of last season. I know he suffered a concussion at one point, came back uh, maybe a little quickly, got injured again. And now I think Jeff's taking some time for himself. So we hope Jeff is going to be okay. Truly, he was a star in the faceoff circle for Philadelphia. But Mike Pompleton, I think he has the confidence to be able to step into a situation and be that uh, faceoff specialist and help out the transition game as well. Case in point, uh, with John Hopkins, he uh, had a win percentage in the faceoff circle of around averaging around 65%, second team All-American. And if you listen to the people who play around the guy and know what he's like, they say he is an intense competitor. He's the type of guy who will fight you on every ground ball. And certainly, if there's an area that the Wings needed some serious help in in the second half of last season, it was in the face-off circle. We saw a couple teams like Calgary come in here with Jeff Snyder or you know, moving around. Uh, Toronto did a number on us late in the year in the face-off circle as well, and it almost seemed to be you know, by committee. Who can we toss in there? So with C.J. Costabile coming back and now the rookie in Poppleton, I feel like with C.J.'s extra year under his belt and Poppleton coming in, we could get a lot, a lot more success out of the face-off circle. In fact, Poppleton, there was an interesting story online. Poppleton was drafted by Hamilton of the uh, Major League Lacrosse, and he goes up, and Hamilton already had their face-off guy in place. He goes in there and battles so hard in training camp and impresses people. He, he walks in and takes the starting job right away and does an amazing job for Hamilton in the offensive circle. So certainly, uh, Poppleton's skills could come in very, very handy in the circle. Moving down the list, we've got John Rannigan from uh, John Hopkins as well. 
big, strong midfielder with a nice scoring touch. With his size at 6'3", 220, he's actually listed as a defender. Well, it'll be interesting to see where he gets more of his playing time. Senior year, he scored a game-winning goal against number one UVA. Only, there was about five and a half seconds left on the clock in overtime for that 11-10 win. He's a two-time All-American, first team and second team in his sophomore and junior seasons. He also has done some work in the face-off circle, and he's the first sophomore midi ever at Hopkins to earn first-team All-American since, yeah, you guessed it, Paul Rabel was the last person to do that back in 06. So certainly, you've got someone who could fill maybe a couple of holes, depending on how things are going, in Rannigan. Moving down the list, Michael Deal from Rutgers. He's a four-year starter, scored 76 points, 59 of them goals. His head coach had a really good quote in the Philadelphia Daily News saying, he is a real big physical presence and a very talented player, and he's uh, everybody at Rutgers very excited to see what he can do for the Wings. Now, as we uh, complete the list of uh, new acquisitions that I have here, Don Alton. Now, this is a name that came up at the draft. Don Alton, Mohawk College, and have played for a number of years with Six Nations Junior, Junior A and Junior B. Now, I think you would agree that moving into the draft, the last thing you thought about was the Wings needing a goaltender because Brandon Miller coming back for another year, and the Wings had just acquired Evan Kirk with the uh, Drew Westerbelt trade to Colorado. They were able to get some picks and trade those in to get Evan Kirk, which I think was a fantastic move. Mentioned at the end of last season, you've got a one-two combination in Brandon Miller and Evan Kirk that won the Man Cup up in, up in uh, Canada for Six Nations. You know, when Brandon was on, you know, he was on, and then when he'd have an off night, they'd bring in Kirk for a couple of games, and if Kirk had an off night, bring in Brandon, and that was a one-two shutdown goaltending situation there that really led them over Victoria in the Man Cup, and so I think coming in the draft, the last thing anybody thought about was, you know, the Wings goaltender, They, if anything, the Wings have the most locked-up goaltenders one-two combination in the NLL, you know, a lot of teams have real shutdown number one goaltenders, like that Vince up in Rochester or Rose in Toronto. There's plenty of good gold, but nobody, I think, has the one-two now that Philadelphia has. So the last thing Philly was looking for was a goaltender, but here comes the combine, and here comes Don Alton, and Alton was all anybody was talking about at the combine, and when you look at his stats, it shouldn't have come as a surprise. He spent four years playing in the juniors. Uh, in Junior B, he goes undefeated, 19-0 and in two seasons. Moves up to Junior A, 18-1. and He is a combined, I mean, the stats are ridiculous. He's a combined 37-1 and in four years of Junior Lacrosse. Uh, and his goals against uh, in his uh, last year, he goes 9-1 with the Six Nations Junior A team. And he has a, now, for those of you who don't follow Canadian Cross, they do three periods up there instead of four like we do here. So goal totals are a little you know, lower, as you would expect. But with numbers like this, it translates anywhere. 2013, 9-1 record, 5.81 goals against, a save percentage. Uh, just below 80% uh, for the season, which is actually one of his lower totals. Generally, he was flying around 82 to 86 in his previous season. And to put that in perspective, out of all the other goaltenders in Junior A, uh, Alton leads him. Again, 5.81 goals against. The person in second place has a goals against over 7.8. I mean, it's a two-goal difference per game. And with Alton impressing everybody so much at the Combine, it really wasn't a surprise to see someone snag him, and the Wings decided to jump on him with a fourth-round pick. In fact, Alton, the only Wings draftee to make the roster, and certainly 
uh, that was a bit of a surprise too. The Wings had selected AJ Mason from Vermont uh, with the first pick in the second round, but he ends up not making it. In fact, as we sit here, he actually played in the last uh, preseason game for the Toronto Rock. They picked him up on an evaluation basis. So, like I said, there's a lot of moving pieces here, and I think more than any other season, NLL fans are just sitting around going, what in the world are we supposed to expect out of this season? Because, yes, I mean, for the most part, most teams have a majority of the same players in place, but with all these young players really fighting, I think, harder than ever to make an NLL roster, and you've got teams having to make the tough decisions about who can we keep, who can't we keep anymore, even though we want to keep them, it's very, very, it's, I don't want to keep using very interesting but really, it, I think it's the hardest season to predict in recent NLL memory. Certainly, as long as I've been affiliated with the league and going back into a fan, it's certainly been just a crazy, crazy offseason. And I can't wait to see them back on the field to really help settle you know, all of these questions. A lot of these questions are only going to be answered out on the field, and I can't wait to see it happen. One more player I've got to talk about for the Wings. The Wings made another big move in adding Ryan Ward. Now, Ward actually started his career for Philadelphia back in 2004, had an injury short in 2005, and then got picked up by the new Minnesota Swarm in 2006, and since then has been a power player for Minnesota, and then for the last three seasons with the Edmonton Rush. Ward coming off arguably one of his best seasons in 2013, 75 points, tying his career high and also setting a career high in assists with 54 of them. Uh, you know, Ward got his start with the Wings back in 04, injury short in 2005 season. He got picked up by the then expansion Minnesota Swarm and since then has been performing consistently, you know, scoring anywhere from, you know, 20 to about 35 goals, somewhere in that range, and always scoring in the 60 to 70 point range. Now, he had a bit of a down year in 2012 in the regular season, but then all he does is lead Edmonton with 21 points in the postseason, in three postseason games. And if you remember, in 2012, Edmonton was not expected to make a run. They were terrible in the first half of the regular season. They come out guns a-blazing, and he gets 10 goals, 11 assists, uh, winning MVP of the game in one of them and helping to take Edmonton to the championship game where they fell to the Nighthawks in 2012. So certainly we're talking about someone who has experience with Philadelphia, is still performing at a very high level and knows what it's like to get it done in the big pressure games in the offseason. I love the fact that Ryan Ward is now a Philadelphia wing again. So let's move through the roster real quick. We've got Kyle Buchanan. Kevin Crowley has resigned for his third season. I'm really interested to see what Jordan Hall is going to do. I think Jordan, I think by his own admission, will probably say he had a very up and down year, lo lower on the points total that he has been in recent years. But I think a fully healthy Jordan Hall can really contribute, and I think is going to be expected to contribute more to the wings offense. As we mentioned, Tracy Kaluski now in the forwards a lot. Kevin Ross. I'm so happy to see Kevin Ross back for the 2014 campaign. Uh, some fans you know, were initially, I think, critical of some of his play, but when you realize the number of injuries Kevin was battling, had off-season shoulder surgery, uh, I think a healthy Kevin Ross goes a long way in adding some more pop to this wing's offense. Uh, Pat Saunders, Garrett Thole, and Ryan Ward balance out the eight forwards. Four transition players for the wings. Uh, Second-year player now CJ Costabile. Brody Merrill has resigned. Good to see him back. Also, Kyle Sweeney, the veteran back on the Wings roster, and Joel White will be back for his second season 
in the red and black for Philadelphia. I love what Joel White brings and Kyle Sweeney and Brody Merrill are going to bring that real veteran leadership. And you've got Costabile out there to be the transition man and face-off person. And again, moving to the defense, you've also got Mike Poppleton who can take face-offs as well. Uh, the real question mark, I think, of course, I think as anybody would who's looking at this roster would agree, the big question marks are the defense. you got Brett Manny, who's going to be captaining the defense. Mike Manley, who I think has played really improved in the second half of last season, and I'm really interested to see how his play continues to progress in NLL season number two. we got Brian McGill, Mike Poppleton, John Rannigan, and Chad Weedmeyer will be back as well. Goaltenders, it's a fluid situation, folks. Right now, Don Alton and Evan Kirk are on the roster. Kirk will obviously be the one, Alton the two. And I think it all depends on what happens with the Brandon Miller situation. Certainly, as I mentioned earlier, we'd love to see Brandon back in a Philadelphia uniform. I understand contract problems are what they are. Brandon, hope it all gets worked out for you. And if it doesn't work out in Philadelphia, I'll be honest, I would still love to see you play somewhere else. He's a top-notch guy, and certainly he had a heck of an offseason. You know, he experienced all the ups and downs with uh, his brother losing his battle with cancer and then having the high of going out and winning the man cup so certainly uh, brandon miller is someone who has been there done that and i'd love to see him continue to do it in a wings uniform but we'll just have to wait and see also moving down the uh, practice squad all d-men michael deal as we mentioned uh, the rutgers player right now is on the practice squad bill mcglone Bill had been battling uh, concussion syndrome for a while after a, uh, I'll say it, a cheap shot from Chris Levis out in Colorado. And, uh, well, Chris is unemployed, so he kind of gets what he gets. And Bill, I'm so happy to at least see him on a NLL roster, even if it is the practice squad. Bill, uh, I think, did get in one game last year, and that's just off the top of my head. But certainly, you know, Bill McGlone hopefully getting back to where he was uh, would be a good thing for Philadelphia fans. And on the physically unable to perform list, they put Brendan Mundorf, who, uh, again, you know, has been coming off off-season surgery, so that is legit, and Robbie Campbell, who came over in the Paul Rabel trade but has just been battling injuries, and who knows when we'll get to see him next. So there's your Wings roster for 2014 as it stands right now. Hey, we've still got a couple more days till game time. Who knows? We could pull off more trades and more people could come and go. That's part of the excitement of this NLL offseason. All right, everyone. And so before we get to the picks in this premiere episode of season two on Wings All Access, I had a special feature I wanted to get to you earlier. And if you might remember, you follow us on Twitter and you should at Wings All Access. We had asked during the summer, we wanted to know what were your favorite parts of the 2013 season? Was there a big goal that stood out to you? Was there just a a great play, a spectacular moment that really rings in your mind? Maybe it was Wings All Access listener Ayana Wood dancing on the dance cam. As you see the dance cam going on in the background. I love the dance cam sometimes. I'm sorry. I had to I couldn't hold it anymore. That fan was really getting into it. I'm sorry, Ayana. I had to do that. I apologize. But that was that was a good moment that stood out for me. So that's why I stuck that clip in there. But we have taken all of your votes and all of your tweets, and we have put together our top five moments of the 2013 regular season. Five. Coming in at number five, it's Jordan Hall, who makes two appearances on this top five countdown. A little bit of a teaser there for you. Number five comes in an early season matchup against the Buffalo Bandits. As you might, Wings fans might remember, Philly won the opener, season opener against them at the Wells Fargo Center, lost a controversial decision up at uh, the first Niagara Center. And so here comes the rubber match in Buffalo midseason. And 
Philadelphia got down, uh, was in a, quite a hole at halftime, started to claw their way back in this one. Paul Rabel with the hat trick, and the Wings were doing what they could to get back into it in the fourth quarter, finally down by one goal, and the Wings, looks like the clock is going to run out on them. However, David Brock for the Bandits goes off for a two-minute penalty with 2.04 left to go in the game. So the Wings on the power play. As the clock's winding down, you're under 10 seconds. Here comes David Brock released from the box, and Jordan Hall has the ball in his stick and somehow gets it off before Brock lays him out. Here's the call from John Gertler and Randy Mearns on the Lacrosse Network. Working with a man advantage now. Top of the slot as it goes to Jordan Hall. Far side to Westerville. Working it back over to Hall from the quarterback of the power play position. Here's Buchanan with a shot. That's blocked off a defender stick of Scott Self. Ten seconds left. Buchanan back to the top of the slot to Hall. Now to Hall. As they score. The perseverance of the Philadelphia Wings as David Brock left the penalty box. Almost gets to Jordan Hall who's at the top of the slot. And Jordan Hall just goes sidearm to low to the side of Anthony Cosmo. And this game is tied up. So Jordan Hall got the game-tying goal. Drew Westervelt would go on to win it in overtime for the Wings in a big road victory there. That is number five on our countdown. Moving in at number four, four. is a defensive play in a game that by and large, didn't really do much for the Wings. In fact, they got blown out on this one, 20-11 against the Minnesota Swarm. But rarely do defensive plays make number one on the Lacrosse Network top 10 countdown. In fact, they're always going to be spectacular goals, spectacular highlight real shots, and it's usually going to be offensive plays. But in this case, it was the Superman-like reflexes of one Brett Manny who went all out and somehow was able to stop a goal from going in behind fill-in goaltender Angus Dindley and really keep the game close in the first half. Here's Brett Manny, Jake Elliott on the call on the Lacrosse Network. We'll have to hustle across the floor here and get back to his spot. Jackson Crawford sneaking through and waved off here. And that one was real close to crossing the line. Yeah, caught just enough of the sleeve to slow the momentum down, and then Brett Manning was going to make sure it wasn't going to roll over that yeah, line. We have a challenge here, and I don't blame Joe Sullivan for this one one bit. We'll have another look at it. Oh, man. Oh, man. Did the head of that <laughs> stick carry the ball across the line or not? I don't know that there's enough to reverse no, this one, Jake. I tend to agree with you. I don't. I mean, what a play there from Manning to get the stick on top of that ball and not only do that but keep it. On, I mean, that is right on the goal line there. I just don't know if there is enough there to overturn the original call as LeBron will step out and the signal, no go. Tremendous individual effort by Brett Manny in getting that save for Dinely. Dinely hung in there as best he could in the first half, was outmatched in the second half, but Manny really showed why the Wings lean on him defensively, and it really, you really had to go to the replay and take a couple different looks at it to go, wow, how did that not go in? But Manny got the stick on it, was able to keep it on the line, but not over the line, and a great effort for the defensive captain. Coming in at number three. Three. One would be hard-pressed to talk about the 2013 Wings campaign without mentioning the play of the defensive rookies. Yeah, sure, it was a rough start 
for players like Mike Manley. But as the season grew, you began to see their confidence grow as well. Mike Manley got involved in a fight earlier in the year against the Washington Stealth. And now as the season moved along, we're here in the later stages, end of March, early April, and you saw Manley start to become a more of a defensive presence for the wings, something we're all looking forward to seeing more of in 2014. But it's rare when a young rookie defenseman gets his opportunity to get his first ever NLL goal. Drew Westervelt uh, takes the shot, and it's a great save by Evan Kirk. However, the net is knocked at about a 45-degree angle away from Man- where Manley is. I encourage you to look up the video is. So when the net gets knocked off the moorings, the ball is still live. Manley, on the goal line, is able to pick it up, dive from where he is, and actually has to dive almost beyond the goal in order to get this ball in. A tremendous goal from Mike Manley. Comes back over to Crawford. Now here's a breakaway for Manley. He's got a man break off the bench. Here's Westerbelt. He shoots and save made. Rebound shot and score! The initial shot by Drew Westervelt was saved by Kirk, and it's the rookie, Mike Manley, picking up the loose ball, tossing it in, and with 5-10 left to go, it's the Wings up top, 13-12. Manley would get a breakaway goal later in the next Wings home game as well. Two goals on the season for number five, and we're looking forward to his second-year campaign. Two. Number two on the top five plays of 2013 is Drew Westervelt. Now, of course, Drew Westervelt's now playing for the Colorado Mammoth. He was part of the big trade in the offseason to get picks that we used to get Evan Kirk. And, uh, of course, now Drew is on the other side. So, yes, you must boo him when he comes in the building. But if we're being honest with one another, Drew Westervelt certainly was the key to the Wings offense, not only in 2013, but throughout his entire time with the Philadelphia Wings and he will be missed. And it's hard to narrow down all of Drew Westervelt's highlights into just one goal. But if I think if I had to pick my favorite goal, it comes early in the season at the Toronto Rock. The Wings, of course, won their season opener against the Buffalo Bandits at the Wells Fargo Center, but NLL pundits were picking a much different result as the Wings went up into Toronto. In the second game of the season, the Wings were down big at one point with five minutes left to go, 7-4. to four. However, thanks to goals by Kevin Ross and Kevin Crowley and also Joel White, uh, a fantastic goal from the young transition player, the Wings were able to tie it up 7-7. Now you get down under 30 seconds left to go, and Drew Westervelt finds himself in a familiar place in back of the net and makes a highlight real goal. Here with the call on TSN is Dave Randorf. Rabel dishes off to Crowley. Crowley with three already. Runs into his man, gets it free to Kevin Buchanan. Rose, Ross, goes into the corner, here's Buchanan against Chapman. No room to operate, so he goes behind the net, Westervelt scores! What a goal by Drew Westervelt, and it is 8-7 wings. Beautiful goal, and what a momentum shift for Philadelphia. Referee will check this out, because it's less than two minutes, but let's watch for ourselves. That looks like a good goal. That ball is in the net before... He hits the ground, and this is a game that it looked like Toronto had wrapped up. Third goal from behind the net, second by Drew Westervelt. It was 7-4. Not too long ago, Philadelphia has stormed back. That goal would be reviewed, but a spectacular goal from him back in the net where he wraps it up and goes top shelf on Nick Rose. For the game winner, the Wings would win that one 8-7. And finally, the number one play, as voted on by you, the Wings All-Access fan. 
And yes, I hinted at it earlier. It's Jordan Hall. Jordan Hall is a player who came over from the Rochester Nighthawks. And I think Wings fans, all in all, were very pleased with what he did. He certainly did have an up and down campaign. But you know, with the injuries that Jordan Hall had battled before coming to Philadelphia, it being his first full season in a while, it was very good to see Jordan Hall develop into a clutch player, not only getting the game-tying winner against Buffalo, but here in a game that the Wings needed to win in order to clinch a playoff berth, the Wings go to overtime, and here comes number 44, finds himself in the slot thanks to a great pass from Drew Westervelt, and, well, just listen, you'll figure this out. Oh, now here come the Wings up the field. They score, they're in the playoffs. Drew Westervelt. Up top to Buchanan is welcome to the jungle. Plays in the Wells Fargo Center to Mundorf. He rolls into the slot and shoots. It goes wide. However, the rebound picked up by Drew Westervelt is able to fight off good pressure by Cam Woods. Is able to hit a man in the slot. It's Jordan Hall. Shoots and scores! Jordan Hall scores! The Philadelphia Wings win it in overtime. 10-9. And the Wings are back in the playoffs. Back-to-back seasons for the Wings in the playoffs for the first time since 2002. The Wings bench empties. They celebrate at midfield as Jordan Hall buries it. 101 in overtime. The Wings win it 10-9. I think my voice is recovered. Jordan Hall gets the game winner in overtime. A Really, the ball was in a spot where nobody else could get it but him, and he makes a spectacular move, or a spin move, I should say, around Jesse Gamble, buries it, and the Wings win that one in overtime, 10-9, to and that was the playoff clincher of the 2013 season. The number one play, as voted on by you, the Wings All-Access fan. All right, so as we're getting ready to wrap up this edition of Wings All-Access Season 2, first of all, thank you again so much for downloading the show and listening to it, whether you're on NLL.com slash Wings All-Access, you're on iTunes, wherever you're listening to this, we certainly appreciate it, and we hope that you will continue to spread the word about this show and all the other great shows here on NLL Radio. Let's go ahead and let's get to it. We've got picks to make. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the pick. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. It is that time of year already. The cheese closets are stacked. Now, John Bartridge, as I mentioned, not available for today. He is wrapped up in crazy glue wrapping paper. He's got to wrap up that uh, Red Rider BB gun. I understand. I keep telling him he's going to shoot his eye out, but when was the last time John listened to me? So we've got three games in action, three big ways to win big. Let's go ahead. I have John's picks here. I have not looked at them, so I will be making my picks independently of anybody else. I just just needed to say that so let's go ahead and get to it here in week one in fact kicking off the 2013 uh schedule we've got two games at 7 30 the first is philadelphia buffalo we'll save that for last uh 7 30 p.m out in rochester blue cross arena the nighthawks kick off another campaign looking to three-peat in the nll and they will be hosting the young minnesota swarm I will let John Barchard go first on this one, so i got to pull up his pick. I probably should have done that ahead of time. John thinks this will be a pretty decently scoring game. A lot of question marks about all these rookies coming in for Minnesota, and he thinks he's gonna, Minnesota's going to give him a run, but in the end, the defending champs hold them off 11-10. to 10. I will go ahead and I will start. I will actually agree with John on this one. Minnesota, again, has so much fluidity in their system. 
And now with Carlson being basically the man, Kirk's not there to back him up anymore. It's all going to be on him, and I think he's going to have to answer that bell. He certainly did at times during the season last year, but again, he's never been the one to carry a team. It's going to be the same question for Kirk here in Philadelphia. Can he carry a team all the way throughout the season? That's an 18-game season. You know, Carlson and Kirk were rotating last year, and he didn't have to do it every game. It'll be very interesting to see, but in week one, I agree. I'm going to say Rochester will take it by a score of 11-9, to and John has Rochester 11-10. to There you go. So that's game number one. We've both got the Hawks. Game number two, it's a late one out west, 9 o'clock, the Edmonton Rush. Heading out to Pepsi Center as the Rush take on the Mammoth. I will take this one. I think Edmonton was left with a really bitter taste in their mouth at the end of last season. You know, Edmonton, you know, went into the playoffs and they were cruising in the first half of that playoff game they had against the Stealth. It was 7-2 at the half, and that lead just kept ballooning up. And then all of a sudden, the Stealth, I mean, they had no business even being in this game. All the Stealth did was put 7 up on them in the third at a 10-goal second half, and they end up stunning the Edmonton Rush 12-11 to and knocking them out. And I really honestly think that Edmonton has been pining for the chance to get back out there and really take it to them. I mean, you don't just have a season like Edmonton had with Mark Matthews winning Rookie of the Year, having so many good... I mean, they started off on a 6-0 run. It's 7-2 at the half. And then all of a sudden, I mean, the Stealth just come out and they blow them away in the second half. I mean, it was a disaster for Edmonton. I think they're going to come in angry. I think they're going to come in dropping some gloves. I think they're going to make a statement in this game. And I think they are going to take it over a Colorado team that... You know, still has some question marks. They think they've got their goaltending situation you know, straightened up a little bit. Uh, no Casey Powell this season, as Powell's decided to sit out for quote unquote personal reasons, whether that's related to sitting out the team USA or anything like that. We don't know. That's all speculation. But with uh, the Mammoth uh, not having him, I think it's again going to be all on John Grant Jr. And I think at least early in the season, Colorado's going to try and find their way. I think Edmonton's going to take this one by a score of 13-8. to Yeah, I, I think it's going to be that kind of game. You know, Colorado was so inconsistent last year. You never really knew what they were going to do. Early in the year, they had some troubles. They came into Philadelphia, and you know, the Wings were able to handle them, although it got close at the end. I just I don't have a beat on this Colorado team, but I think Edmonton's going to be able to outpower them. Ooh, John Barchard, oh, put your cheeses on the line, sir. Put them on the line, 12-8. to 8. He goes for the Mammoth. And I'm very interested. I'll have to ask him about that next week, why he goes 12-8 Colorado. But I think he's. I think he thinks that uh, John Grant Jr. is probably going to come out and try to go for the sock trick in game one. Well, you never know. He has, that, he has that ability to do so. So there you go. John and I differ on the Colorado game. I go Edmonton. He goes the Mammoth. And finally, we've been dancing around it long enough. Your Wings kick off the 2014 campaign. I, I keep tripping over 2014. I want to say 2013, but we're not there yet. The 2014 campaign kicks off the 28th Saturday. It's a 7.30 start time up in Buffalo. And it's the Wings and the Bandits. All right. Well, everybody here on Wings Access knows me as the eternal optimist, the glass half full guy. And I've been sitting here telling you about how I, I like the players that they've picked up. I can't pick them in week one, and you know it breaks my heart to say that. Quite frankly, what we've got here is a young team. They've shown that the offense has the ability to score some goals. This offense, I think, is going to have more pop in it than it had last season. No team scored 
fewer goals per game than the Philadelphia Wings did last season. They've shown in the preseason they can put points on the board. That's not going to be the issue. The real issue is how is this defense going to react to 18,000 people in the in Buffalo screaming for their bandits and Buffalo who didn't make the playoffs last year what is that going to do to them to know that they didn't make it they've got a new situation accordingly he doesn't come into situations and do anything half-assed sorry folks i mean the man was the coach of the year last year for toronto they had a bad blow up in the postseason he gets canned buffalo brings in Banesh. they bring in andrew watt and i mean that's instant upgrades to what they're doing i don't think buffalo at least in week one with the home field advantage, is going to sit back and let Philadelphia get an opportunity to make this a game that the Wings can steal. I think the Wings will keep it close, but I sense it's going to be a shootout, and I'm going to say it's going to be 14-12 to 12 Buffalo. I would love to be surprised in this one. I really would, but I got to pick Buffalo in week one if I'm keeping it honest. I like where this Wings team is going. I just don't think you establish the kind of chemistry that's going to be needed here in week one. That said, I mean, Buffalo, you know, well, let me get John's pick here and then I'll give you a couple closing thoughts here. And John is giving me the evil eye over text right now as he says, I'm just sick and tired of picking Buffalo. I know that I know I cursed them last year by picking them every game. Go back and listen to season one on iTunes. Every time John picked them, it was the kiss of death. He said, you know what? Buffalo doesn't deserve my pick. The Wings take it in week one, and he's predicting a low-scoring game. Very surprises in this one. 10 to 8 is your score. Now, I, I actually don't entirely disagree with John's pick here. I Like I said, I, I'm picking Buffalo in this one. I don't disagree that it could be that kind of low-scoring game, however, because if you look at the roster, as I mentioned, the Buffalo Bandits certainly made uh, a couple really good uh, moves in the offseason uh, with uh, Steve Dietrich and company up in Buffalo. They pick up Ryan Banesh uh, from Minnesota, also pick up Andrew Watt, both instant upgrades to their offense and their transition game. And I really like those picks. And you've got, of course, Sean Williams, Mark Steinhaus, who, let's be honest, Steinhaus had an atrocious 2013. I think he just wants to put that back. But with that said, now you've got to start to look at this Buffalo offense and go, okay, they've still got Sean Williams. They've got Ryan Banesh now, which is great. What does this mean for the rest of the team? You've got Rosardis, who they uh, picked up from Calgary. You've got Rooney. Okay, you got Jed Culp. Fine. But you got your main players in Steenhouse and John Tavares. The last person I ever want to count out of a game is John Tavares. But at 44 years old, John Tavares you know, was battling injuries all last season, had probably, I think, his worst uh, goal output of his career last year, and that's not without looking at a roster. So if I'm a little off of that, maybe maybe he didn't do well as rookie year. I don't remember. But but that said, you've got pieces there in Steenhouse and Tavares who had atrocious years last year. And you wonder if those two don't rebound, is this a Buffalo Bandits team that is going to be that much more improved? You've got Dane Smith, who I absolutely love, the transition player. He marked down his transition, but you're going to see him at a lot of offensive highlights. Trust me. He was super strong year one. I expect nothing but uh, increased production from him in year two. I just have questions about this offense, and Buffalo has done a good job in the at least the preseason games of making a believer, but that's the preseason, and as I like to say, preseason doesn't mean anything. I want this Buffalo team to show the rest of the league 
that you know if I'm going to start picking them to win, I want them to show the rest of the league that not only is Banesh there, is Smith there, is Williams going to continue to produce, but that the pieces that they've been used to producing, like Steenhouse and Tavares, they are going to rebound. If they start rebounding, that's a dangerous offense in Buffalo. And then again, and also in net for Buffalo, Cosmo did not have a great season. Wager, the former wing, was in and out, didn't do bad, but again, you know, they haven't had the shutdown goaltending that I think they need in order to be able to compete. Remember now, Minnesota has come over to the Eastern Division. So now instead of uh, five in the West, we've got five in the East. And you're going to be seeing a lot of scrambling as these teams really go at each other's throat in order to be able to make the playoffs. And this is going to be, I think, a closer game. I think I, I don't necessarily disagree with John being a low pick. I just think there's questions on both sides of the ball. What is Buffalo's offense going to be able to effectively produce in the in the regular season? What is Philadelphia's defense going to be able to stop with so many young players? There's a lot of questions to be answered, folks, and the only way they're going to be answered is on the field, and it starts on December 28th. That does it for this episode of Wings All Access. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Whether you're on NLL.com slash Wings All Access, whether you subscribe to us on iTunes, please do so. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at Wings All Access. For myself, at Dave Walls. And also for my producer, at John Barchard. We will be live tweeting during the Wings game this upcoming Saturday. Game time is at 7.30. Make sure you join the conversation as well. It's band together. Let's take this team into 2014 on a strong note with a Philadelphia victory. For everybody at the National Lacrosse League, uh, Vice President of Communications, Doug Fritz, and for my producer, and uh, hopefully he is not uh, all wrapped up himself in the Christmas spirit. I don't know where I was going with that. I'm Dave Wall saying thanks so much for listening, everybody. We will talk to you after week number one. Again, the Wings starting 2014 in style. Thanks so much for re-enlisting in the Wings Army. We'll talk to you next week, everybody. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Wings All Access right here on NLL.com.